Sunday night, 7 o'clock, time for the Sports Phone here on KZYX. Jerry, that's me. I'm hanging out in Portland. Jim is in the Philo studio. Jim, happy Friday or Sunday to you. How's it going? You got two out of three of my family is in, in Portland right now. I know. Yeah, yeah. I've had, a, I've had my mom up here all weekend. It's been a fun time. We, uh, it's funny. I always have, I've always kind of talked about this, and, and we've talked about it off the air, but it's, it's always been fascinating to me how depending on – who comes up to visit me, whether it be you by yourself, my mom by herself, or both of you, it like drastically changes the feel and kind of schedule of the, the trip. It, they're huh. very, very different trips. <clears throat> so your mom doesn't go up on the ladder and scoop out all the all the nasty leaves from the gutters? <laughs> no, no, no. But we, we did a lot of weeding. A lot of weeding. Ooh, she got some weeding done. Yeah, yeah. While <clears throat> I was doing like... It's weeding stuff, season. It is. Oh, don't don't even get me started. I'm in a battle with the dandelions right now, and I'm losing horribly. <laughs> I'm, in a, I'm in a tough fight. It's, it's a losing battle. Let's yeah. roll here. Let's roll. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get right into it then. Okay. So if you are new to the sports phone, let me walk you through what is going to be going on here for the next hour in change. Uh, very simply put, the sports phone is an open forum sports talk show. Jim and I like to talk about sports in our day-to-day lives. We've played a lot of sports. We've coached. We've been we've been fans. You name it, we talk about sports in all sorts of different ways throughout the week. So we like to spend this one-hour week uh, opening up the phone lines on KZYX and talking some sports with the listening audience. Anything that, that you want to talk about going on in the world of sports can be professional, high school, college, rec league stuff. Uh, intramural questions, comments, controversies, news stories, trivia questions, anything you want to talk about, as long as it is going on in the world of sports, we want to talk about it, and we look forward to taking your calls and taking your emails as well. We'll get that contact information to you as we get rolling on the show. But before we start taking any calls or emails, Jim, we have a guest this week, and it's funny. I, I think back with this guest, I feel like this was an idea we had like a year and a half or two years ago almost and then for some reason we never it never like got going we never got like any traction on it but then we kind of revisited it again and we kind of said hey let's do this and we got it we got the guest on the on and uh willing to do it so I, i'm really excited about this i think this is going to be a very unique interview it's going to be very different uh because we're going to get a different perspective on on some things here this is uh, so special yeah, this yeah, it's is going to be going. Go this, ahead and introduce your boss to us. This, this is special. <clears throat> so I want you to, I, I think you should set the table a little bit here, <clears throat> and then I'll introduce uh, the, the name of our guest. But okay. it was your idea. So quickly, in 15 seconds, w- what was that idea? Well, the idea <clears throat> came from, with, I don't want to spoil anything. It's, it's weird because I don't want to spoil it without – basically, the idea came from me hearing that you worked with someone that went to school at a place where there was a – where sports is very big, school meaning college, but wasn't the biggest sports fan. And, and that was kind of the gestation of this interview and this idea was that general topic. All right. My – <clears throat> My boss, the manager at Mendocino Coast <laughs> Clinics. I love that you introduced it that, her that way. Um, it's, so it's, and I always, I'm proud to say that because I've, I, I've said this. I said it when we were doing a little warm-up, too. I'm 69 years old, and I'm claiming she, she's my first boss. Um, I, I've pretty much been self-employed my whole life. But this is Stacy Polina <clears throat> Millen, 
and she she runs a the uh, the reproductive sexual reproductive clinic along with a bunch of other stuff at the Mendocino Coast Clinics in Fort Bragg. But the reason she's on tonight is very simple. She went to Duke and wasn't interested in Duke basketball very much when she was there. Stacy, you there? <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> and that—that that is why. Usually we have people here, you know, because they went to North Carolina when Jordan was there and they love it. And, and mm-hmm. yeah, this is different. Go, uh, this is going to be fun. Right. I, I'm, I'm really excited. So, Stacy, first of all, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, let's just kind of set the table a little bit. So what years were you uh, were you at Duke University? So I was there from 1985. I graduated in 1989. Okay, and, um, cool. And, I was, yep, I was thinking, oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. By all means, floor is yours. I was just, I was thinking back, um, to just sort of set the stage, which is, you know, Ronald Reagan was president. It was the 80s. And um, so my major was political science. I definitely was politically active. And then it was the very beginning of women's studies at Duke. So I also at Duke found feminism in the 80s. It was the very beginning. Women's studies had just started to happen. Now it's called gender, sexuality, and feminist studies. There was no major. It was like a certificate program that you could sort of do. Um, so that was definitely my area of interest. Um, so I just wanted to sort of sort of lay that as definitely the, the foundation for when I was there. Interesting. Interesting. So, so related to that then, um, when I – and I think a lot of people, especially if you're sports fans, if, when they hear the word Duke, they think Mike Krzyzewski – Cameron Stadium, mm-hmm. just Duke basketball in general. Without mm-hmm. you know, and you kind of answered the que- my question a little bit when you were going into that. Can you set the table a little bit again with, more with the academic side of Duke? Like why why someone would want to go there for for academic reasons? Even going back to the eighties right. or kind of going forward with your yeah. understanding of this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I guess I even relate it to the basketball program, which is. You know, I think Duke basketball was also famous for prioritizing academics. And so a lot of those players were also really good students and ended up going on to get graduate degrees and, you know, advanced degrees. And so I think that was a point of pride in terms of, you know, the community and and Duke basketball was that, yeah, of course they were athletes and that was a huge piece of it, but they were also, you know, academics was also super important. Well, what I want to know is, you made it very clear when we were, you know, uh, talking uh, all week and and this week that you didn't go there for basketball. You didn't go there as a basketball fan. You went there as a student. What was it like to to not be that interested, especially before you got there in basketball? What was it like? How, How... how were these were these celebrities that were there? Were, were they celebrity status? Shashevsky, the players. I mean, you said Johnny Dawkins was there when you were there, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and do they get treated that way? Did it turn you off? What what was it like to be there and not be a fan? Right. I mean, I would say that definitely the basketball program and basketball was a piece of. I guess it was a big energy on campus. And, and when I was reflecting, when we were, when I was 
thinking about having, you know, interviewing and talking to you guys about it, I was thinking about how, I mean, it was almost like it had its own separate world. And being a student on campus, I definitely have, you know, I, I definitely can remember who the basketball players were when I was there, who was in my class, you know, Quinn Snyder, Danny Ferry. I remember the the team that won the ACC championship, I think I was, I was trying to remember. They didn't win the NCAA championship when I was there, but there was a lot of, you know, celebrating and, you know, I have a strong memory of, you know, the main quad and the first year I was there in 1986, so that was the, you know, whatever, March Madness 1986, they had a big stage and there was, there were all the players and, you know, there was a huge celebration on the main quad and it must have been when they won the ACC championship. And I mean, that was definitely a big piece of the culture of campus. But that being said, it those students, I mean, they were almost like very separate. I, that was not a part of my experience or reality, except for, like I said, when it was like a big celebration sort of on campus. So, yeah, so that almost, I think, leads right into the, the question I was thinking about as you were explaining that, Stacey, was so it, it was, I don't know if avoidable was the wrong, is the right word, but right. you could <laughs> be there and not be totally cognizant of like, oh, they played this school and lost by this much on a date. Like, it wasn't something totally. that was in your life on a daily basis. Totally. I mean, so it's interesting because, you know, so Cameron, Cameron Indoor Stadium, as if I remember correctly, you know, if you had a Duke ID, you could get in for free at that time. I don't know if that's still the case. You know, I definitely knew that people camped out. I knew where it was. So when there was a home game, there were students who would camp out and there was a whole thing and they called it Krzyzewskiville. And, you know, Coach K was sort of this, you know, had sort of a mythic, whatever, reputation. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that was not my reality at Duke at all. I mean, it was a huge campus. I think there are about 6,000 undergrads. There's also a huge graduate. I mean, there's a medical school, there's a business school, there's a law school, there's a lot of amazing other programs. Um, so yeah, I would say that it, it, some people that was they you know, the Cameron crazies, they chose that and that was a big thing and other people. Yeah. I probably, they could live their entire existence at Duke, not paying attention to that. But did, did you what go, I also was thinking, go oh, ahead. keep going. I did go to a game. I definitely went to at least one game, at least one. But what I was thinking also is like I remember my friends who were undergraduates, and you know, like some of the people that I hung out with, it was spring break, and you know, we were traveling and going on a spring break trip, and they were sitting on the beach under a towel watching the game on whatever like device or TV we had at the time, and watching to see what was happening. So. There was a ton of attention also being paid, especially during the whole March Madness thing, for sure. So quick quick little little aside here. Um, Stacey, you mentioned if I, uh, Duke students were able to get in for free. That is still the case. It, they can get in with, oh, okay. their, with their student IDs. But what's really fascinating okay. about that to me, to again, kind of like in the athletic world, uh, the one year I coached high school basketball up here in Oregon, the varsity basketball coach at the high school I was at, he tried to go to Duke, North Carolina, and he didn't get tickets. And he made he called like every contact he knew oh, no. in the in the basketball world, <laughs> college and high school. And this guy is very, very connected. 
and was not able to get tickets. So, like, if you're not a student, it's still really hard to get tickets to any Duke basketball game. Interesting. Games. And the Interesting. the the the, the, the ville scene, Jerry. I don't know if you remember. Jerry, Jerry and I went to Duke. Uh, Jerry has a p- couple personal workouts inside Cameron Indoor Stadium, and then <clears throat> you know Shashevsky talk. It was his camp. It was the Shashevsky Duke camp, <clears throat> and they showed us in a little bit of the tour. They showed us where Shashevskyville was. At that point, <clears throat> when Jerry was in seventh or eighth grade, when we were there, they showed you know the, this little grassy area where people would camp out because they only took five thousand students, I, I believe, and there were what right. seventeen thousand students there. And, only, bad, and yeah. you had to wait in line, and it was interesting. They, they'd say that yeah, the kids put their tents up here, and then the 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 guy that was showing us it, uh, one of the players I think, was moving back the grass, saying this is where they plug in their computers, and they have they have an <laughs> outlet here, and it was in the grass, you know, in Shashevskyville. Right. <laughs> I thought that was very interesting. What else you got here? I, oh, it's funny. I was sorry. I was I got distracted. I was looking at the capacity of, of Cameron versus where North Carolina plays. It's nine thousand to twenty one thousand. So it's wow. I was th- I, I was well, still UNC thinking about the difficulty so much getting bigger, in. right? Um, yeah, yeah. way, way, way bigger. Much bigger. Uh, so so now I guess without kind of spoiling our last question. So you've graduated from Duke. You're you're kind of now way past that. What? How would you define your current relationship with sports now that you're set, whether it be your relationship with Duke basketball or sports in general? Yeah. Well, so I guess I wanted to, I mean, when you guys were introducing me, you were saying like that I went to Duke without an interest in basketball and sports. And that is totally true. Like that, I, I don't even think I realized when I went there that they had a big basketball program, but you know, I mean, I grew up in a sports family. Like, my mom played and loved tennis. I grew up watching tennis. My dad loved football and baseball, so I grew up watching football and baseball all the time. I was a big fan. So, I mean, I definitely come from some sports watching and enjoying. Um, and so I would say, you know, and of course, like, I always watched the Olympics. And so, you know, in now having graduated from Duke, I mean, Every year, I always have an eye on March Madness. And I'm not like, oh, Duke, we're the best. Go, you know, so, but I guess, I, you know, I feel like Coach K represents this person who has really embodied sort of coaching from a perspective of, you know, acknowledging athletics, the importance of athletics, as well as, you know, academics and finding that balance and that. You know, he wrote a number of books. I was I was actually telling Jim that I bought a book for my son when he was, you know, a young, you know, us playing in elementary school or middle school, you know, Coach K's book, Beyond Basketball. And just the idea of sports being so much more than sports, like being a metaphor for, like, learning how to be a part of a team and learning how to be respectful and listening and having a coach or playing your role. And, I mean, so to me, sports and athletics is is so much of a bigger thing than just the actual like playing the game you ever um, you ever so, on a team i actually grew up so i grew up on long island new york and i grew up playing field hockey and lacrosse field yes, hockey. yes i was mm-hmm. that was big where and I a lot of school. tennis Field hockey. Yeah, I hope that's exactly. not a dying sport, Jer. Because no, field it's not. No, not at the <laughs> not at the not not at the level that I went to school. It, it, like where I went to college didn't have it, but that size school field hockey is alive and well. Yeah, the the, the D three right, school exactly. I went to 
uh, field hockey was huge. Yeah. Well, especially <clears throat> a thing on the East Coast. I would say New England. Yeah. It's a big thing. Anyway, Sis, so, you get a question. Yeah, I definitely. We get a question for you. <clears throat> okay. In all your Duke, all your uh, four years of Duke, um, mm -hmm. raising two children that were involved with sports. We want to know what your fondest sports memory is, whether it be a, as a player, as a coach, as a as a parent, whatever it is. What is your fondest sports memory? I mean, I would have to say that my fondest memory is both of my kids um, played coast youth soccer when they were growing up. And I have to say the early years, especially when, you know, going out to the soccer fields as a family and when it was especially like those the younger years when they sort of run around as a group of kids, like all yeah. chasing the ball at the same time. We called it quail ball. And, you yeah. know, half of them have the, the jerseys on. It looks like a dress. And, I mean, <laughs> when it was, you know, it, it sort of was that time when, like I said, the value for me of, like, it's about family. It's about community. It's about teaching kids to be a part of a team and listen. And, you know, eating the orange slices was sort of as exciting as being on the team. And, oh, it's um, the best yeah, part. So, yeah, exactly. It was the best part. So, Give me so, that halftime yeah. snack. Especially in the rain in Fort Bragg. I, th those mornings, <laughs> right? exactly. Saturday morning, totally. Uh, totally. nice fog drizzle going in yes. September, and, and we're all huddled, and the kids are running around playing soccer. I do I do remember that well. Exactly. <clears throat> so you're, exactly. you're giving it as, as a general. A, a general, you enjoyed youth. You have fond memories of youth sports, it sounds like. Totally. Coast Youth Soccer. And like I said, the early years when everyone was together and it was just about having fun and family and the community being together. And that was, and like you said, I mean, I vividly remember walking out there and it was just like this total fog and this blanket of more wet fog and just doing it anyway. And yeah. You don't say it. I, I like to give a, a memory just, just, um, I can't imagine you didn't run into him, but I like always and say may he rest in peace when when you talk about mendocino and sports and and youth sports jonathan shepherd was it was a name to be remembered i can't imagine you didn't well, r run into jonathan i remember the name i don't yeah i did not know him well, mendo you that was much that was much yeah. more of a mendo thing than yeah. a coast yeah go yeah. ahead jerry wrap it up oh yeah well stacy this was fascinating and i use that word a lot i feel like sometimes but just this perspective was one that for some reason for so long i didn't think about existing because i i was part of the not necessarily the problem but i was part of the group that for me it was just duke men's basketball and there was that was th mm -hmm. that was it when it came to duke so thank you so okay. much for spending some time with us this has been really awesome. really cool i i really enjoyed this it's been great. Thanks for having me. It's been great to chat with you guys. And also, it's been great to reflect back on these years a long time ago. Yeah. Glory days. That's a, awesome. That's even a song <laughs> called that. Thanks, Stacy. <laughs> All right. Thanks, you guys. Take that was a good one, Chair. Oh, that was so good. That was just, like I said, it was just, it was this idea. I didn't think about this <clears throat> archetype of Duke student before. And it was just, it was really, really fun, really fascinating. 
Okay, let's go ahead and get rolling here on the show. So, 707, well, on the next portion of the show. So, 707-895-2448, that's the number to call if you want to talk about sports in any capacity. You can also shoot an email, because Jim is now the tech guru on the email thread as well. An email to j at kzyx.org. Go ahead and throw sports phone in the subject to make sure we see that. Little glitch there, dj at kzyx.org. Yep, dj at kzyx.org, and then 707-895-2448. That's the number to call. But before I allow Jim to start taking any calls or emails, if if there are any uh, in the queue, we've got a trivia question to set up. Uh, before you and, do that, Jerry, before you do, I just want to oh, mention uh, we're gonna we're gonna interrupt the trivia question. Yeah, just before. Well, I, I tried oh, to boy. do it before you got to it. Um, <clears throat> Stacy, if you're still listening, um, feel free to call back if 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 anybody brings up something that is relevant to uh, <clears throat> that that only you could answer. <laughs> sure, sure. Go, go ahead, Jerry. Yeah. Okay. So trivia question. I try to keep our trivia questions somewhat on theme for what's going on in the sports world uh so i decided to go with an nba playoff question jim likes a good list so i put together a list uh i was concerned this list was too big and jim said nonsense the bigger the better so i ran with it (laughs) Uh, so here's our trivia question for today uh there are 11 national basketball association teams so 11 nba teams that have not won a championship in the history of that team I would like to put together that list. So, again, there are 11 teams that have never won an NBA championship. And this would, for clarification for basketball fans, this would include, when I say teams, teams that have changed cities. So it will include teams. If a team has changed cities, they're only counted once on this list. It's their most current version of the team that is counted. But there's a, So 11 total that have never won an NBA championship. Let's start putting together that list. That is our trivia question. And then anything else you want to talk about, 707-895-2448 or an email over to DJ at KZYX.org. Jim, what do you have? Um, I got a few this day in sports. Uh, the phone lines are, are, are the, I'll take, I'll take calls as well. Just uh, anything goes. <clears throat> Stacy fans out there, Duke fans, any, anything you want to talk about. But I don't have a lot on this day in sports. But one it's going to lead nicely into a topic, though. I think. I, I think so too. Yeah. Um, I like this. Um, in ninety, it's funny. I, I doodle when I'm playing. When when I'm when I'm um, not talking, I'm I'm scribbling on a, a piece of paper. And I think this. I know it's nineteen ninety something. I think it's nineteen ninety four. Denver defeated Seattle in the NBA. Mm-hmm. The first number eight to beat a number one. And I still think there's never been, has there been a 16 that beat a one in, in college yet? Or is that? There's been multiple by now. There is multiple now. Okay. So this is the equivalent to that. An eight beating a one in a four game series. Um, So I got that on, that was in in the early nineties. Now this one, the 2016, the 142nd runner run of the runner uh, running of the Kentucky Derby, which I believe was just yesterday um, yep. in 2023. But in 2016, on May 7th, the um, 
there was 167,227 people that watched the Derby. I just had to bring that up. Hello, caller. You're on the air. Hey, guys. This is Travis Brakeland from North Striders. The Striders. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So I was just calling to give an update. Today in Boonville, uh, the Bootling Classic was held um, after having been discontinued. So um, I got to wanted to give a shout-out to the Colfax family, Zane and Angie Colfax specifically, who uh, worked really hard to get that race going again for the community and huge success. Nice. How long yeah, was it? How uh, long was okay. it off? Did it was is it off because of COVID? I take it. Uh, I think the previous gentleman that was running it, um, he, uh, I think he's he's getting older, and I think that's why he wanted to give up doing it and let somebody else take the reins. But at the time, nobody was there. I think I'm not exactly sure. Hmm. All right. <clears throat> Any. Um, yeah. What's your next? Any uh, big? I guess any big takeaways from from the classic? Any big uh, big, big highlights? Anything stood out? Um, let's see. Well, they had like eighty plus people, and wow. you know, I, I really uh, it's inspiring to see the community of Boonville really rally behind the race. They they had so many prizes, like everyone who signed up for the race, which I think was like fifteen or twenty bucks. They got like at least a bottle of wine or. <laughs> you know, something of higher value than that. So it was pretty good to see that all the businesses really rallied behind it. Let me um, add, all the all the proceeds are going to the um, food bank, by the way, and I think they raised quite a bit of money. Is is does a boon does a booming classic? I've never come down and watched it. And I've I've lived here for thirty years now. Um, <clears throat> is it have that a little bit of theatrical uh, take of it, like like the famous Beta Breakers? I, I'm sure. You, You've been. There. I'm guessing you've been there. I don't know if you have. Um, are there other people that run in costumes and stuff like that too? Oh man, no, not not this year. But maybe you know we should um, suggest that that gets us that gets going, and maybe uh, we get a little more of the uh, eclectic side of Boonville out there and participating a little bit more. Um, I would be all for it, but no, nobody did anything too crazy this time. Um, I uh, I will say in the past though. Um, our, um, the Willits uh, whale run was held for years and years, and we never saw any whales running. But the last time I went out there, there was actually a whale running. So that was that was kind of along the lines of what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. If you're gonna, yeah, there's got to be at least one guy in a, or one someone in a whale costume. That's great. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's been done. Uh, yeah, very, Good very stuff. inspiring to see the whales out there trying to lower their cholesterol. Yeah, for sure. Uh, any any other events coming up that the Striders are, are putting on? Yeah, well, thanks for asking. Um, yes, the Legends of the Redwoods is coming up on July 8th. Um, so uh, that's uh, a special uh, race that we created about 20 years ago. It's got an interesting background. The, the Legends of the Redwoods are a specific group of Native Americans who in 1927 and 1928... Uh, uh, ran the ultra marathons that were put on to celebrate the opening of the 101, the Redwood Highway. Huh. And they were the only ones that could do it at the time. And so we're holding this race to commemorate that and kind of keep that legend alive. Thus the name Legends of the Redwoods. That's good. Thanks, Stratus, for the update. I'm going to take another call. And if, 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 you, think cool. any, if you think anything else, get, get back to us. Call, call right, right on. Thanks for taking my call, guys. Yep. Yeah, thank you.
You're on the air. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey, Vince. Vince. How are we doing tonight? You're doing a big well. Duke fan. You must have liked that interview. That was fantastic. That was absolutely wonderful. She she was going to Duke right when I started really getting into basketball, and Duke was one of the main reasons. So I was watching those teams while she was there, and uh, I think I'm a bigger Cameron crazy than she is. <laughs> I don't think that would take much. No, that's great, though. I think, you know, there there are many more students there than there are, a- are athletes, obviously. So I'm sure there's a good percentage that just don't follow it, you know, or just there to be students. So it makes well, sense. And she had some good stories. Vince, I, I, I have a question for you before you get in anything you wanted to talk about. Because Jim and I went back and forth on this a little bit. So I'm using you as a sample size of one to end a little discussion Jim and I were having. Um, when you were becoming a fan of basketball and Duke – was on your radar. How aware of Duke being a good academic school were you? Um, they talked about it a lot. You know, it was okay. um, something that I also looked into, you know, because I was, you know, at that time starting to think about, you know, getting ready to go into high school and, Got it. you know, what was I going to do after? And um, so I looked into it. Obviously, didn't think about playing basketball there or anything, but uh, it didn't take long to look into it and just realize that was a private school. It was prestigious. It was very uh, Ivy League-esque, if you will, you know, um, for that sure. area. Um, you know, through the years of the, the battle with North Carolina, I think is where I first really understood it to be like the public versus the private, you know, like that, that whole you know, commentary was said a lot. So it's it's um, funny, Vince. Yeah. It's funny that you, you just use that term, Ivy League esque. And when Jerry was in the seventh or eighth or whatever he was when we went to Duke for the week, that's what he took out of it. Um, now, I think it's just last week, Jerry. You said to me, "Boy, I walked around there and like, whoa, this, this, yeah. you know, that's." T- how did you describe it, Jerry? How do I describe what specifically? You know, your feeling about, whoa, Duke is serious stuff here, not just basketball, when you walked around the campus. Oh, yeah, just the, the, the way that the, the campus and the buildings were structured and designed, where I was like, oh, yeah. this is an academic school, not just athletics. It had that, like, old castle vibe to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, all stonework, yeah. I've been there, I used to, you know, my sisters live in Durham, so... I've been there many times and, you know, gone to a couple of games and it's just a beautiful layout, beautiful school. Um, I mean, that's, that's like a lot of those universities back east. They, they're, they're old, you know, they have that neat yeah. feel to them. Uh, that's one of them for sure. You're going to take well, a before, stab at the, uh, at the, uh, Oh, I've got the whole list. Really? Oh yeah. I wrote it down the minute he asked the question, but I'm not going to, well, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do all of them because that would okay. be, that would be horrible. But I have all of them. I'm going to get the bell ready. I'm going to give you a bell for each one that's right. Jer, you tell me if, the, if he's right. Yeah. All right. I'm only going to do – I'll do four just to get okay. the ball rolling here. The Sonic. Is that right, Jer? Yeah. Are you going to count the Thunder? Uh, I count that as the same team. Same team. Okay. The Clippers. Yep. The Nets. Yep. Brooklyn Nets have never won? Yep. If you go back to their time as the New Jersey Nets. All right. 
since it's the well, Thunder and Sonics are only one, so I'll do one more. The Magic. Yep, the Magic are on there as well. Hmm. All right. So uh, anybody else? Seven zero seven eight nine five two four four eight. The email is dj at kzyx.org. Put sports phone in the subject line. What other teams have not won an NBA championship in the NBA? <clears throat> Phones aren't ringing right now, Jer. Yeah, Vince, you got anything well, else that you were you were calling yeah, to talk about? I, I do, but I also <laughs> want to comment on the uh, the Bootling Classic. That's I, I love that guy's energy. I love the fact that that race went off. I know what it takes to put a race on in in a small town, and it, it's wonderful to hear that little story about the the classic. I'm glad it's back. Um, kind of bummed I missed it, but uh, maybe next year I'll jump out there and, and run that one as well. But uh, that's good stuff. Little little things like that are big for the community, and uh, I hope that they can keep that going. I remember you put on a race once in in Mendo, and like at seven in the morning, you had me out there like putting arrows in the grass or something. I don't know. <laughs> Hey, the pump, the pumpkin run costumes were definitely worn at the pumpkin run, so uh, that was encouraged. In, in fact, um, but uh, I'm calling, and I don't know if you guys were going to go down this this rabbit hole or not of horse racing. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I got another call, Jerry. Do you, you want to? Let me take this other call just because you've been oh, on hold wait. for a little bit, and then um, <clears throat> we we had that on our list too, Vince. So let, let's bring it up in. in um, um, after we take this next call. That sounds great. Yes, I'll call back. Hello, you're on the air. Oh, fantastic. Okay, this is the British guy from Book Trails. Hello. I think I mentioned a couple of uh, weeks ago, guys, about Tiddlywinks. Tiddlywinks? Yeah. Well, it I turns recall. out there is, there is a world championship every year held at Cambridge University. Um, and just a little bit of background, game began in Victorian England. A bank clerk called Joseph Asherton Fincher, 1863. Anyway, the original patent was uh, given in, let's see, 1888. And Tiddlywinks as a game uh, then was established as a trademark in 1889. Um, so just a bit of background on that. Anyway, Patrick Barry is the current British Tiddlywinks player. He's won 10 World singles matches, including recently April 22, 1922. And he's reckoned to be the, um, the sort of, uh, well, him, he with his partner, um, they're reckoned to be the sort of, you know, uh, what could you call them, the, the, the Nadal and Djokovic of their game. Anyway, they're pretty amazing guys. <clears throat> and and they, they, don't, they don't play Tilly Winks in the pubs, huh? This is in Cambridge University. I'm so surprised. Well, they, I thought it would be right next to the dartboard. <laughs> um, that's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. But I think mainly it's played in pubs in England, certainly. I used to play it. Um, but it sounds like the World Championship is held at, the, uh. Uh, at Cambridge. I, yeah, I, I was going to say, just like how you have like your World Darts Championship in front of a bunch of people, then you've got the... The bar darts. It's, it's, I felt like it's those two fit in the exact same category of you're going to yeah. have huge crowds for it, and then you're also going to have just like two people playing at a bar table somewhere. Jerry, what's your take as as the the American thirty year old? I'm sure you've got it on on a screen in front of you. What, what do you think about Tiddlywinks? I I feel like I've played something like it 
but I don't know if I've ever played like actual tiddlywinks. I, I remember doing things with coins, trying to get that also involved a cup. Yeah. But, but but I don't I don't know if it, it like it, it was ever like we played the rules of what actual tiddlywinks are. Yeah, there are there are different rules. I think. Um, the, I mean, the key thing is you have the, um, the I think it's called a scrincher, which is your big your big t- um, plastic token, as it were, round token. Then then you use that to uh, to clip the other the other ones to get them nearer to the cup and then into the cup. Um, but if 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 you and any of your uh, any of the listeners want to check it out on on YouTube, I mean there's some pretty remarkable performances. Um, but it is a it, there is a world championship. You can yeah, take I, you can take any event, <clears throat> have a world championship, and you watch it on YouTube. It's fascinating. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. This this seems like another one. I very to keep the darts comparison going where. There's yep. a skill of precision to this that I bet is amazing to watch at the highest level. Oh, it is. I mean, like I remember, um, just give you a little anecdote. I used to play a lot when I was at college in Britain. And my father was a, a champion darts player, actually, and he beat the current world champion one year and got his. Um, and the guy oh. gave him his set of silver darts, which is what you, one of the things you win if you win the News of the World Championship. But a guy called. Uh, Low, I think it's Bob. I'm not sure if it's Bob Low, but Low. Um, and I'm going back now, probably about 20 years. He was the first guy to get a nine dart finish. A nine dart finish is unbelievable. That's on 501, counting back from 501. So that means you've got to get 180, which is your highest score you can get in the first three darts, 180 in the second three darts. And then I think you, you go to something like... Um, I think it's uh, double double eighteen tre- uh, treble. Yeah, I think it's treble seventeen double eighteen, something like that. Um, uh, I'm not quite sure of that last ending, but anyway. Um, and since then, you know, it's um, it's been the, the nine data, which is which is like the the highest the highest ability, you know, the highest level of attention or skill that you can actually pull off in darts. But um, that's been broken many times now. Well, this is uh, a guy called Taylor. Um, I think uh, uh, Taylor is a British player. I think he's he won like about I think about twelve world championships. Phenomenal. But anyway, yeah, and like a lot of great sports, by the way, the secret is keeping your head still. I I um <clears throat> I got another call, and what I want what I want to do is, is this is a segment. Are we gonna? You think we're gonna run out of 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 uh, sports that are played in the pubs and and i mean you, you schooled us on cricket darts and now tiddlywinks yeah, <clears> there, <throat> um there are more my friends okay well <laughs> oh i believe it never gonna run out thanks for the call yeah you bet bye you're on the uh they just your call right back please <clears throat> tiddlywinks went just just like four seconds too long and someone someone hung up on us here yeah well, no give us a call back 707-895-2448 that's the number to call you can also shoot an email over to DJ at KZYX.org. Okay, so while we're waiting for a call or that call to come back in, Vince, our, the call before that had mentioned uh, he wanted to talk a little bit about horse racing, and that was on Jim and I's list of topics. But uh, I, I wonder for the same reason, Jer. I think it would have to be okay. for the same reason. <laughs> okay. So this came up because Jim was – he noticed there's hey there's a lot of Kentucky Derby stuff uh, for on this day in sports and so the the Kentucky Derby was run yesterday uh, I think it was a 15 to one underdog that ended up winning the race but that was very overshadowed 
Uh, for, so for anyone that did not watch the Kentucky Derby or was not aware of what happened at this Kentucky Derby, uh, the week leading up to the race, so the seven days or so leading up to the race, seven horses that were supposed to participate in it uh, died. Of those horses, four of the seven were killed after sustaining injuries. Two, and then the other three, I believe... This is the one that I think is more fascinating. The other ones died under mysterious circumstances, and their trainer has been suspended indefinitely. Uh, uh, Churchill Downs, which is where the race is held, they released a statement saying they uh, have they have viewed each horse fatality as unique, and looking into it, they have found no discernible pattern detected in the injuries sustained. They're also still going to have an investigation with the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission and the Horse Racing Integrity and Safety Authority, which I couldn't tell you that that was a thing prior to this story. Two or three uh, deaths. Two or three deaths is, uh, is, is <clears throat> you know, you, you could make an argument that it's unique, but seven deaths in seven days? Yeah, I, I guess that's why I wanted to kind of start with this. Like, what's, what's, do you have a takeaway from something like this? Seven, <clears throat> seven horses dying leading up to the Kentucky Derby? Horse racing, betting, gambling, <clears throat> huge money, corruption. You're immediately going, going to corruption. Corruption jumps out at me for this one. <clears throat> Just, I, it, it, it's so much jumps out as my first thought. Interesting. Not, yeah, oh, not, oh, it was a bad week for horses. You know, it's just. <laughs> I mean, did a whole bunch of other horses die that weren't in the Kentucky Derby this week too? I mean, <laughs> yeah. It, How about you? Well, it's just it's weird because whenever you get into these sports, I guess animal specific sports, like I would say horse racing, like dog trials, not not dog racing because I know that that's not a thing anymore, but like more like sheep dog, like you know, tri dog tri like sheep dog trials and those types of things. The thing that I always think about is like. The animal doesn't know that they're in a competition. I don't think. Like, I don't think they are consciously aware that when a horse, because th these horses died leading up to the race, like a couple of them died practicing or of training. Yeah. And it's like, it's it's this weird thing of the horse doesn't know that they're training for a race, or at least I don't think they, <clears throat> they do at, at any real level. So it's just this weird thing of like. Are you listening to yourself? I know that's what <laughs> I absolutely am listening to myself. It, it's it's so bizarre in in that standpoint of it. And then the other thing that I, I find really fascinating about this, and I'm not trying to make a joke out of this because I, I do no. think it's, it's it's serious. Like that, you know, if seven animals die leading up to this race, I think that is something that needs to be investigated. But. It also brings to mind, there's a, a Jerry Seinfeld, who's one of my favorite comedians. He did a bit about horse racing. And a huge part of the bit was horses don't know that if they get hurt, they're going to they're gonna get killed. So if the horses were aware of that, coming down the backstretch of the race, no one would be going that fast. And it just, it brings to mind that thing of like, that's a really common thing in the horse world, that the little I know about it, that if a horse has a leg injury... Like that's it for them. A lot of, of course. The time. There's yeah. no like recovery from that. They, they shoot horses, don't don't they? Like, I think there's a yeah, whole this whole yeah, movie ahead. made out of that concept. Yeah, and and so it's just like that's the other takeaway from me with this is like 
just that reminder, the little I know about horse racing in, in the horse world is that if a horse gets badly injured, that's it. And, you know, the argument is it's for the, the betterment of the horse because, you know, you're taking them out of their, their misery to use that, that phrase. But it's just wild to me that seven horses, seven horses dying up into the lead up of a race. And my brain did not immediately go to corruption and those types of things like you, Jim, but it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, there was a whole story. What was it last year about horse doping? Was well, a, there was, was a huge story. And I mean, it, 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 the, the crazy other one in my lifetime, um, the, the most beautiful sport, maybe arguably one of the most beautiful sports ever is um, ice dancing, uh, figure skating. And all of a sudden <clears throat> we get this woman that hires someone to run out on the, on the uh, ice and break the leg of <laughs> their competitor <clears throat> in broad daylight. I mean, th that's what coming to my mind here. Some something's just not right here. It's something. It's it's <clears throat> yeah. It, it's let's get. I, this. I, I feel like I'm out of I'm out of words for this because it's just such <clears throat> a bizarre story. It's a good time to be out of words. We got a call and um, yeah, maybe Vince has maybe it's Vince and yeah, hello, you're on the air. Save us here. <laughs> you got it, Jim. You know it's me coming back in. Um, this is crazy stuff. So I I was listening to NPR the other day on uh, All Things Considered, and they had a really, really great interview with a guy about horse racing and why these injuries happen, why they, they put more horses down in the United States than any other country in the world when it comes to horse racing. Um, so if you get a chance to go back and listen to it, he really explained just the how, how the corruption leads into the relaxed regulations and the follow-up and how, you know, it's not a, there's, there's not a nationwide uh, board, basically, that overlooks things. It's state by state. Right. You know, so if you, you can be penalized in New Jersey and then go race in Atlanta. That came so, up, you know, that, there's no, that came up with a horse doping uh, yeah, situation. The, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Right. But, yeah. it, it, and he's, he's, his whole thing was like, this is all part of it because in other countries, when a, when a horse gets a small injury, they don't race that horse. They put it back out in the field. They let it rest. They feed mm. it. They take care of it, and they get it healthy. Load America, management. Load management in America. They'll put a. They'll you know shoot the horse with cortisone or something to to numb the pain and put the horse out there to race anyway. Therefore, jeopardizing them to injure themselves worse, which leads to euthanasia. euthanasia. So. Um, it, just the way they go about it here is really backwards. This this whole week has to has to change something in horse racing. I mean that's that's this is this is outrageous. I, what's the most deaths ever before in a week leading up to a race like this? You know this, this has got to be a record breaker by far. So I, I I'm hearing Vince. He's not as much into the cre corruption, the pure corruption, the Tanya Harding. <clears throat> breaking the, the leg of the other figure sitter not that level of you just think it's a horse abuse that's what i'm hearing from you well, vince that's that's it though but the corruption side of it comes from a small few owners and people with money who can manipulate regulation you know can buy out and make sure things aren't you know there's no oversight basically 
So the corruption is a huge part of it because that's what allows horses to take drugs so they can race. You know, there's, I think the corruption is a major part of it. It's not a, I'm going to go break this horse's leg so it can't race. Um, the corruption is more about the abuse of their own horse, which is odd. Jer, what about you? Do you, do you, um, do you have anything, any, um, horse racing? I mean, do, do you bet on horses ever, Jer, like you do now and then? I, on- I haven't placed a bet on a horse since you placed a bet for me when we went to horse races and I was too young. Oh, we went to Golden Gate Park. Yeah, that's the, that's the only that's time. Right. I, so I guess the thing that I <laughs> took away from some of that that Vince was saying was, and this is again, like me just not being aware of this, horse racing isn't an American thing. Like, because all I know are the three big ones. That's there's horse racing outside of the United States. That that's a big deal. Very much so. Yeah, it's a very big okay. deal in other countries. Big in Italy, very maybe. Much. Italy, Spain. Um, I would I would venture to say down in South America, um, but it's it's worldly for sure. Um, Interesting. It's just crazy too because I, I was you know just reading you know researching this before the show and. Course racing viewership has gone down 1.7% every year since 2018. Um, betting, betting is down 30-some percent over the last five years. Um, so it's, it's a sport that's losing popularity to begin with. Weeks like this aren't going to help it. So as a sport loses money and, and popularity – they could go two ways. They could try to reinvent themselves and make it better, or they can double down and <laughs> I don't know. So it's a, it's a sport that's definitely on the precipice of change. Jeez. Well, Kentucky Derby's on. I'll give you my Kentucky Derby story. Um, I, I haven't been big into horse racing, but I think it was a Thursday before the Kentucky Derby one day. It's always on a Saturday. And we're in northern New York State in the Adirondack Mountains, senior year of college. And my friend Al and Peter, they say on a Thursday night, let's go to the Kentucky Derby. <clears throat> I say, well, well, when is it? You know, I'm, I'm a little more organized than they are. I say, when is it? And they say, it's Saturday. I said, in Kentucky? <laughs> and so the next morning we got up and started driving to Kentucky we got there the night before the Allman Brothers and Marshall Tucker were playing at the college there. And we, I, I went, was on the infield the next day for the whole Kentucky Derby. That's all I got. That's all I remember. Uh, that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Oh, man. But, oh. Uh, <clears throat> then we had to drive, well, home, drive home. Well, of course. That's, <clears throat> that's always the, the, the worst part about that. Yeah. Oh goodness. Yeah, I've never been a horse guy myself. Um, so I'll throw a few more names out there since we only got ten minutes left. Nine oh, minutes that's left. right, uh, Jerry. Yeah, go for it. Let's, let's go with the Hawks. Hawks. I am starting to think my list is incomplete because they're not on my list. But I—that sounds right. Huh. Yeah, I don't recall them ever winning a title. That's for sure. But okay, all right. Well, the, no bell for that one then. So you can confirm uh, the Jazz. Uh, the Jazz are on the list. Yep, correct. Go with the Denver Nuggets. Yep, they are on the list. Go with the Memphis Grizzlies. Yep. Well, they're not going to win it this year. 
<laughs> the, <laughs> the Charlotte Hornet. Yep. The New Orleans Pelicans. Yep. And this is the one that I thought was uh, I wasn't positive on, but the Dallas Mavericks. So they are not on my list. So hang on one second. No, they they won one in 2011. Oh, that's right. Dirk, that's right. They beat Miami. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, Well, there you go. The Hawks Hawks did win a championship in 1958. (laughs) 707-895-2448. Number to call. We still have seven minutes. Um, Anything new anyone wants to bring up, give us a call. Um, how many did he get, Jer? He got a lot. I have three left on my list that are, are outstanding. <laughs> want to talk about them now, or do you want to? Yeah, I can just I can throw them out there. I got uh, nothing. I got nothing on email. Usually, the email answers the, the answer to these questions on the list. Yeah, and then also <clears throat> we have to redact one of Vince's because the Seattle SuperSonics won the NBA championship in 1979. Huh. Oh, the son of a gun. Look at that. Yeah. I say, okay, yeah. so, so, okay, hold on. Uh, the, the Pistons won it, so they're not yep. in it. Dang it. That's right. Man, uh, you got three more. I, I'm curious. Yeah, the three that are outstanding are the Phoenix Suns, the Minnesota Timberwolves, and the Indiana Pacers. Of course. Yeah. Many Christmas. Yeah. But it was good. It was impressive, Vince. It was an impressive attempt. Thank you. I appreciate it. Did the Pacers <laughs> win one in the M- – did they win the championship in the ABA? Oh, I, I don't. That's a great question. Remember, Jerry, I was alive for the ABA. There, there was some good stuff going on there. Yeah, uh, they won a championship in the ABA in. I don't have an answer here. 1970, 1972, and 1973. <clears throat> Be interesting, you know. It, it, it's interesting with the ABA, Jerry, and and Vince. You know, I lived dur- during that, and it, the interesting part about it, it it's. They, they might have had the best player in, in their league, and right. it was still an inf- inferior league to the NBA, but they might have had the best player. What are the chances of that? Be like the XFL having the best football player in the world, <clears throat> but 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 not, you know, you know, it's it's just what I'm. <clears throat> it's it's uh, Doctor J at that time was arguably yeah. the, the the best player, and he wasn't even in the NBA. Yeah, that's that's very similar to uh, uh, when Herschel Walker came out of college, and he was probably by far going to be the best NFL running back, and he chose to play in the USFL instead of the NFL. Oh, really? Yeah, that was a that was a bold move back then because that league folded within two or three years. <laughs> but, uh, you know what are you what are you going to do? Um, cool. So I got a I got a feel good story real quick for um, for the heck of it. Uh, just kind of caught my eye. Um, there's an Australian baseball prodigy. Um, she is believed to be the fastest female pitcher on the planet. She's 18 years old. She throws 86 miles an hour and has a nasty curveball. <laughs> she was the first Australian girl to represent their under-12 team and then also their under-16 team and is now looking to play Division One baseball in America. So under-12 team, that would be Little League, right? Exactly. Yep. And she was the first woman to represent Australia in pretty much every level of baseball, you know, that you could do. Um, she's, yeah, like I said, she's trying to 
get, she's being looked at by a few Division One colleges in, in America. And, uh, yeah. What's her name? It's pretty. Genevieve Beacom. She's an 18-year-old left-handed pitcher. She has 86 like miles it. an hour, which is. Yep. Yeah. It looks like that's right. I, I was curious. It looks like that's right on kind of average with what uh, the majority of kind of Division One baseball looks like in terms of a fastball. It, exactly, exactly. And as a lefty too, that's that's uh, you know they're you can't have too many left-handed pitchers. So how tall? Yeah, uh, how tall is she? Um, Jer? she looks Don't like know. she's. It does not say in this article I'm reading. Hmm. Yeah. So the highest yeah, velocity of the last Women's World Cup in 2018 was 78 miles an hour. So she's beating that by eight miles an hour, and she's 18. That's it's huge. Good, it's definitely a good story, for oh. sure. Oh. Yeah, just something that caught my eye, you know, kind of kind of like that uh, backwards marathoner, um, you know, which was <laughs> – I, I got to send you guys this article. So another guy ran a marathon recently uh, on LSD. Huh. Huh. <laughs> I think it's a pretty had... interesting article. I won't go into it now, but uh, I'll send it to you guys. It's pretty, pretty wild. <laughs> I got another call. I'm going to give him 30 seconds, and we got to sign off. Thanks, Vince. You got it, guys. Thanks. You got 30 seconds. Hi there. Um, I've never called in before, and I never wanted to correct you guys, but in the multimillion-dollar horse racing business, it is... Um, these horses definitely do know that they are racing. The mares and the studs have extensive breeding records, always trying to achieve another horse, such as Secretariat, who had double the size of the heart that normal horses have. Um, just wanted to let you know, these horses are extremely intelligent, and they are very aware of what they are doing in the race. I'll, yeah, <laughs> I'll take it. No, no, by all means, don't don't feel bad calling to correct. I will take a correction every day of the week. I will always take that. I I I know very little, so that was absolutely an assumption on my end. So I will absolutely take that correction. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I think it's the human beings that actually are pushing these horses beyond their capability that's what sure. that's what vince said we got to go we're out of time thank you so much for the call jerry sign off we're done let's wrap it up yeah we'll be back next week it'll be the 14th of may uh thanks everyone for calling and listening and uh, we'll talk to everyone next week thank you everybody we'll see you next week this has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.